And with that said tonight, what I want to talk about is thankfulness. And it seems like an appropriate time given that this is Thanksgiving week. And perhaps you heard a Thanksgiving message this morning or perhaps you've heard one on on the radio or on television. Just watch enough and, and maybe you'll hear it. It seems maybe a little passe to preach a Thanksgiving message. But maybe... Maybe I'll take a different tact than most of us are used to. I, we have great problems in our society. We know that. In the culture we live in today, and one of them is a lack of patience. We have a society that craves instant gratification. We don't want to wait for anything. How many of you have ever stared at a microwave and said, Hurry up! (laughs) Nothing is fast enough. We want what we want now. And far be it from anything or anyone to get in our way. We want it now. We don't want to wait. After all, we deserve it. Right? The key words that we hear in ads... That, that we deserve the good things in life, and we deserve to have them now. We need them now. <clears throat> so we lack patience that generations before us had. And another great evil among our culture today is an incredible lack of thankfulness. Our society is not thankful for anything. Oh, we'll say please and thank you. But look at the things that run rampant in our society, and you'll see that there is a lack of gratitude for even the smallest of things. And yes, that is a great evil in our culture, but Scripture says let judgment begin in the house of God. And God's people are not innocent of either the lack of patience or the lack of gratitude. So I may step on some toes tonight, and if I do, I hope you won't be offended because mine have been bruised all day. So I want to talk about thankfulness. And and we can start with this time of year. We, We know that in 1620, the Mayflower set sail. With pilgrims, I'm not going to go into the whole story, but it set sail and it landed in the autumn, early winter, especially in New England, the early winter months, that that type of weather, in 1620. And in 1621, they had the first Thanksgiving feast that we kind of commemorate coming this Thursday with the local tribe of Native Americans to give thanks for the harvest, to give thanks for the first successful harvest. And from where we're in school, we have all these cute little pictures of pilgrims in their outfits and Indians with the feathers gathered around the table and everyone singing, you know, kumbaya and having a grand old time. And it seems like a very utopian picture because we don't get into it with school kids, but maybe as adults we need to remember that The first year was not pretty. In fact, the voyage was not pretty. Over a hundred people set sail on the Mayflower, and a lot of them died on board. And then they landed in an uncharted land in the middle of the New England winter months. 
a lot more died. It was too late. It was too late when they arrived to cultivate a harvest. How were they to survive? The ship couldn't have held a year's worth of supplies. The ship was only designed to hold enough supplies for the voyage and maybe for a few days, maybe, maybe a couple weeks if they rationed after that. So cholera, influenza, starvation, dehydration, hypothermia, claimed the lives of many of those that sailed over. And yet, a year later, after a hard year of bitter labor, of heavy casualties and losses, they celebrated with a feast to give God thanks for the first successful harvest. Now fast forward, if, or, or let's create an anachronism, and let's take the people of today's culture and put them in that time. Would there have been a feast? Or would the prosperity gospel that has infiltrated even our minds, as those of us who call ourselves part of the Lord's churches, and we eschew that that gospel that is not a gospel in general, but still we've heard it so much that it has infiltrated our minds and our hearts to the point that we say that we might be guilty of saying, Oh Lord, you called us to this. Why aren't you blessing it? You sent us here. Why are we dying? Why do we perish? God, why aren't you being fair? Why aren't you providing? So instead of being thankful for a harvest, it's, well, look what it took. Finally, we get a little pittance. And instead of celebrating independence from a throne, they would rail against the English monarchy for not sending supplies. They wanted independence from the government. Our people don't want independence from the government. We want dependence on it. What if people of today had been aboard the Mayflower. Would we have a Thanksgiving? Let's ignore the fact that the people of today don't know how to grow crops, so no, there wouldn't have been a Thanksgiving. (laughs) They would have all died. (laughs) But the heart is different because generations ago, those people who came over knew that it was God's providence that allowed them to survive and knew that everything that he provided was a blessing, that he was not obligated to provide anything. He was not obligated to provide safe passage. All they could do was follow his lead and trust him for the results. He didn't promise blessing. He didn't promise prosperity. He didn't promise wealth or success. He just promised that he would be with them. And in that time, that was enough for some. Is it enough for us? Where I've been stepping on my toes is I think about 
you, you go back farther, and, and we're going to talk about one of the great prayers of thanksgiving in Scripture here in just a moment. But at the Passover feast, there, were always, there was always a prayer of thanksgiving. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But in one of the gospel accounts, we even hear that Jesus and his disciples left the upper room, and on their way out, on their way to the garden, they were singing a song. And a lot of scholars suggest that quite possibly, and maybe even quite probably, they were singing the Hallel, which was Psalm 113 through Psalm 118. They were singing psalms of thanksgiving. Jesus was leading them in singing a song of thanksgiving, knowing the trap he was going into. Do we sometimes have trouble being thankful when our circumstances are tough? Before our meals, and, and you may be guilty of this. If, if you are, then share in my toe stopping because I'm guilty of this. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with it, but how many of your blessings over a meal go? And how many of you have taught your children like I've taught mine so far? Lord, bless this food that it may nourish our bodies. And we somewhat think that we get that from Scripture because even, even in the accounts of the Last Supper, it says Jesus took bread, he broke it, and blessed it. But if you go to the Jewish tradition, you could even look up the Haggadah, which is the text of the Passover Seder. The blessing that was spoken over the bread was, Blessed are you, O God, who bringeth forth bread from the earth. And the blessing over the wine was, Blessed are you, O God, who bringeth forth the fruit of the vine. Blessed are you, O God. In short, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for bringing forth bread. Thank you, Lord, for bringing forth wine. And we may say, thank you, Lord, for this food. Shouldn't that be enough? But as a symptom of our culture, even if in our hearts we, we wouldn't even necessarily say it this way, and we don't even necessarily consciously think it, but somehow we're assenting to the fact that, yes, thank you, Lord, but that's not enough. Now that you've provided this, will you bless it further that may nourish us? Yes, Lord, you provided this meal. Thank you. Now what have you done for me lately? Bless it, strengthen us, and nourish our bodies. It's not enough that you gave it. Jesus never asked God to bless the bread or bless the cup. He just said, blessed are you, O Lord. Thank you, Lord. You have provided beyond what you were obligated to provide the fact that it is in front of us is a blessing. Thank you. And he didn't teach us to go further. Now, I'm not saying that it's wrong necessarily to, to pray for God's blessing on our food and how our bodies use it. But I want us to examine our hearts. I, I want me to examine my heart. I want me to examine the way that I'm teaching my children about thankfulness. Because am I teaching them that it's enough 
that God gave it? Or am I teaching them to thank God for it, but then ask for more? What have you done for me lately? Because if you want to turn with me to Psalm 136. Psalm 136. Does everyone, do, do most of us have a Bible or, or can you see your neighbors? Because I, I kind of want to make this participatory. If not, I can tell you what your participation is. We'll read this Psalm 136. This is called by some sources the great Hallel, the great praise, the great thanksgiving. Sometimes it has traditionally been used at the end of a Passover Seder. And one of the ways that uh, the Psalms could have been performed was in a call and response type method. You would have had a cantor at the front of the synagogue or the temple calling out one line and then the congregation would respond with the next line. And you can almost, almost predict that that's how this one would have been performed because of the constant refrain. At the end of every line, you'll see, for his mercy endureth forever. So what I want us to do tonight is somewhat kind of recreate that, not for the sense of ritualism, but number one, to make sure you're awake. And number two, because as we repeat over and over again, for his mercy endureth forever, maybe we can be reminded that it is true that yes, his mercy endures forever. And maybe a bit more thankfulness may well up inside us as we share this scripture together. So if, if you'll entertain me for just a few moments, I'll serve the role as the cantor. I'll read the first part of the line, and then I ask all of you to join me to, with the refrain, for his mercy endureth forever. So this is Psalm 136, the great Hallel. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks unto the God of gods, for his mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his mercy endureth forever. To him alone who doeth great wonders, for his mercy endureth forever. To him that by wisdom made the heavens, for his mercy endureth forever. To him that stretched out the earth above the waters, for his mercy endureth forever. To him that made great lights, for his mercy endureth forever. The sun to rule by day, for his mercy endureth forever. The moon and stars to rule by night. For his mercy endureth forever. To him that smote Egypt in their firstborn. For his mercy endureth forever. And brought out Israel from among them. For his mercy endureth forever. With a strong hand and with a stretched out arm. For his mercy endureth forever. To him which divided the Red Sea into parts. For his mercy endureth forever. And made Israel to pass through the midst of it. But overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea. For his mercy endureth forever. To him which led his people through the wilderness. For his mercy endureth forever. To him which smote great kings. For his mercy endureth forever. And slew famous kings. For his mercy endureth forever. Sion, king of the Amorites. For his mercy endureth forever. And Og, the king of Bashan. For his mercy endureth forever. And gave their land for an heritage. For his mercy endureth forever. Even an heritage unto Israel his servant. For his mercy endureth forever. Who remembered us in our lowest state. 
for his mercy endureth forever. And hath redeemed us from our enemies, for his mercy endureth forever. Who giveth food to all flesh, for his mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks unto the God of heaven, for his mercy endureth forever. We see in this great Hallel, this great psalm, this great song of thanksgiving, just a a sign of what was the tradition, the ritual, the way of life for the Israelite people. Which was this psalm doesn't just say, oh, thank you, Lord, for what you've done today, but recounts the entire history of Israel, particularly the major events such as Deliverance from the bondage of Egypt, crossing the Red Sea, and conquest of the Promised Land. Generations later, hundreds of years later, they're still singing this psalm, giving thanks to God for the deliverance that they never saw. But they remember their heritage. And God commanded it that way, didn't he? You see time and time again, why did they have a Passover? They had a Passover because God said, do this feast once a year so that you remember. And the different elements of that feast signified different things that they were to remember. The The bitter herbs were for the bitter labor and the tears that they spent in their bondage. Ten drops of wine were for the ten plagues. The matzah, the unleavened bread, was to remind them that they had to be so hasty in getting things together that they could not allow their yeast to rise. So different parts of the meal were to remind them of different aspects of it so that they would always remember and always be thankful for what God had done. Circumcision was a sign of the covenant, but it was also a pretty permanent reminder of what God had done for his people. We see that when the children of Israel crossed over Jordan, <clears throat> God commanded Joshua to tell one from each of the 12 tribes to grab a stone out of the midst of the Jordan River, bring it with them where they would camp, and there build a monument. And what was the purpose? God told them what the purpose was. So that when your children and when your children's children ask, what does this monument mean? You can say, because the Lord dried up the Jordan River so that Israel could cross through on dry land. They built monuments so that they could never forget and never fail to be thankful for the things that God had done. So in all of their tradition, they looked back at all of what God had done throughout their history. so that they could remember and be thankful. Where along the way did we lose that? And even even amongst some of us who are the most faithful among our people, a lot of times we'll take back our thanksgiving just to the day that we got saved. But did God not work in mighty ways to bring you to that point? Long before then? Where did we lose our sense of thankfulness across the generations? 
It's important because it reminds us that God has been faithful for generations past. And if God is never changing and has been faithful in generations past, then not only does it make us thankful, but it gives us confidence that in the future God will continue to be faithful. It gives us strength to keep going day by day. In those days when we feel like I don't have much to be thankful for today. But don't lose heart. Because remember the generations past and be thankful. And know that because we have this wonderful heritage, then we are assured a wonderful future of God's provision and loving kindness. Why? For his mercy endures forever. We just read it time and time and time again. So many of us will gather around tables. I know one of our family traditions that, that, that I love, and it's not actually my family, it's my wife's family. It's one of my favorite things that, that we do is we'll go around and each of us will take a turn to say what we've been thankful for in the past year. And many of us, many of us will do something similar to that. Or, or we'll have a general prayer of thankfulness. But how much more powerful would it be if that Thanksgiving prayer started at the dawn of civilization and recounted all of the ways that God has worked to bring us to where we are? Lord, we thank you. We thank you for Noah who believed you and built an ark that he might be delivered to keep the human race going. Lord, we thank you for Abraham who believed God and it was counted for righteousness unto him that he might have a family that no man could number. We thank you for Israel and for Jacob, for his sons. We thank you for Joseph and his faithfulness in the midst of all of his trials and tribulations. That what his brothers meant for evil, Lord, we thank you that you meant it for good. That you might preserve his nation and preserve the line of the lineage that would lead to Jesus Christ. We thank you for delivering Israel out of Egypt's bondage. For the miracle of parting the Red Sea and giving conquest to a promised land. So that we could have a picture of what the kingdom of God should look like. We thank you for the judges that you sent time and time again when Israel would stray to demonstrate your loving kindness and your mercy that is new every morning. That though they would sin, they would cry out and you would send a deliverer time and time and time and time again. We thank you for the judges. We thank you for your mercy that is never ending. We thank you for the prophets that faithfully faithfully proclaimed your word, pointing the way to Jesus Christ, convicting Israel of their sin, talking of coming judgment. But Lord, we thank you that even amidst that judgment, you always held out a remnant. You always held out a remnant of faithful people. All the way to Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Lord, that in, in eternity past, in eternal counsel, you decided amongst the Godhead that your son would come and walk among us and walk in our shoes, not only so that he could have the wisdom of being God and knowing all, but so that he could experience all and know things in an intimate way so that he could certainly 
be tempted in every way such as we are. We thank you that in your mercy, Jesus bore the penalty for our sin. We thank you for the cross, which paid the ransom. But Lord, we thank you for an empty tomb. Because an empty tomb showed that you accepted the sacrifice as sufficient to pay the price. And because he is alive, we thank you, O Lord, that Jesus stands at your right hand. Today, making intercession for each and every one of us. And because he is alive, that intercession doesn't just pay for past sins, but for present sins and for every sin from now on forever for those who will repent. We thank you that when Christ was here, he founded his church and gave a commission and gave authority. And we thank you for faithful people who for generations stayed true to that. Even in the midst of a takeover by an organization, we thank you for those who stayed faithful in the shadows as the Catholic Church held sway over the entire earth. We thank you for a Protestant movement that started to break the stranglehold, but we thank you that even amidst all of that, there was still your true church. There was still the truth being propagated to generations past. People lost their lives for millennia, for centuries. People were persecuted for that truth. And Lord, we thank you for the courage that you gave them. And we thank you for this nation. That you gave those same courageous people the courage to set sail to a new world. To brave insufferable odds. To pay impossible costs so that they could have freedom to preach the truth. And because of that freedom, because they preached the truth, congregations started in New England, started in Virginia, and planted on farther until, praise God, look how many congregations propagating the truth we have here in Middle Tennessee. I'm thankful for generations of our forebears that sacrificed most of their income, lived on bare sustenance, but gave so much that they could to their church and to their community to build a meeting place because they looked to where their children would hear the truth. Mm -hmm. Eventually, I could go on until the day that I got saved. And then I could count manifold blessings after that. What if our Thanksgiving prayers were a little more like that? When you have it in your mind, does it make a little more thankfulness well up inside you? If you think about that, even if you don't vocalize it on Thursday, will that help on Thursday for that gratitude to well up within you? To know all that God has done, it hasn't just been since last Thanksgiving. And it hasn't just been for the last ten Thanksgiving. It hasn't even been just for your lifetime. But for several thousand years, God has been faithful to his people. 
It truly is a great Hallel, Psalm 136. And you should read 113 through 118 also. Because it's basically the same thing, only stretched out over five psalms. But what if we gave a great Hallel for Thanksgiving? So it's important because, yes, we need to remember all that has gone on before us. It ought to make us more thankful when we are mindful of all that God has done and all the people that he has used and all the people that have allowed him to use them. Oh, it ought to overwhelm us. But we see the past and we can look to the future. And we can know that God never changes. And the same God that has been faithful for thousands of years, how dare we worry about tomorrow? In fact, even Jesus said, take no thought for tomorrow. Why? Because he knew that God hasn't changed in several thousand years. He's not going to change tomorrow. So now this is going to seem like an odd juxtaposition, but I also want to look at John 2. It's kind of weird to go from... Uh, a Passover psalm to John chapter 2. But there's something I want to look at here to to make this point. John chapter 2, starting at verse 1, And the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, They have no wine. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. I'm not going to read past there. We, most of us know the rest of that story. Jesus commanded, they did what he said, and what turned out is the best wine they had that day was created out of water. It was Jesus' first recorded miracle chronologically but what I want to look at is the fact that weddings were a major community event in that time they were a huge community festival it was something to celebrate and if the mother of Jesus was there then she was part of it because there were no small guests at the wedding as I said it was a community event it wasn't just the families and small gatherings of selected groups we, we don't recognize that in this culture weddings were a, a different beast then but if we can draw the picture that it was a huge community celebration incredibly important in the life of the community to be embarrassed at a wedding was to, it was basic, I I don't even know how to say it, but someone, they would be ashamed for life. So this huge event, and the mother of Jesus was part of it. And when Jesus came, his mother said, they have no wine. That's all she said as it's recorded. She may have implied more from from Jesus' response, 
But she didn't ask him to go down to the market and buy some more wine. She didn't ask him to wave his fingers or wiggle his nose or do magic tricks to make more wine. She didn't ask him for anything. She just told him the problem. And Jesus' response is kind of off-putting in today's language. We, we, we would kind of think, who talks to their mother like that? Well, culturally speaking, it was fine. Uh, basically, all he was saying is, what do you want me to do? What, what do you want me to do? It, it's not my time yet. But Mary, see, Mary was a good Jew. Mary had been reciting the Hallel for many Passovers. Mary, when she found out that she was going to be carrying and giving birth to the Son of God, spoke what is called the Magnificat. My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. And it's a long passage, and part of that says, He hath regarded the lowly estate of his handmaiden. Almost an exact quote from this great Hallel, Psalm 136 Verse 23, who remembered us in our low estate, for his mercy endureth forever. Mary was a good Jew. She understood the faithfulness and remembered the faithfulness of God in generations past. She knew what had happened within her. She knew how God had used her in the past. She had every reason to expect that God would be faithful in the future. So she didn't make demands of Jesus. Instead, she just trusted him. Even when Jesus said, what do you want me to do? It's not my time. She looked at the servants and said, whatever he says, do it. Whatever he says, do it. And then she walked away she didn't carry the burden with her anymore. She knew it would be fine. So I wonder today, Thursday, we have a huge community event coming up. It's not just community. It's national. Now we'll be in our several homes, some in communities, some small gatherings, some large gatherings, but, that, but as a nation, we will all be celebrating together this day of thanksgiving. And some of us, some of us in this room, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but some of us in this room, I guarantee you, are going to be struggling on Thursday to say, I'm having a hard time finding anything to be thankful for today. It's going to be hard to celebrate today. Today feels like a wedding and there's no wine. Anyone identify with that? Again, don't show hands. But life is hard. Some Thanksgivings are worse than others. Among other things, uh, 
and and I'm not saying this to toot my own horn or gain pity or anything else, just to help you paint the picture. Earlier this year, I lost my mother and my sister, and they were the only ones of my family that I had left. So this is my first Thanksgiving. Will be my first Christmas without without any of my birth family. People have it a lot worse than I do. But I will be tempted to think, oh, poor pitiful me that I can't call my mama today. Oh, poor pitiful me that I can't do this. There will be some who will have Thanksgiving and there will be no turkey. There will be some who will be Thanksgiving and they'll have no food. It will be Thanksgiving and they'll have no family. It will be Thanksgiving and they'll have no friends. It will be Thanksgiving and they'll have no job. It will be Thanksgiving and they won't have enough health to get up out of the bed. But if they see the day, they're blessed. They may not know it, but we as God's people do. And I'm afraid that too often the lack, of ingrat- the lack of gratitude that has overtaken our nation, our culture, can overtake us. And we'll look at circumstances like that and say, poor pitiful me. Lord, you've led me to some great work and I've not seen success. Lord, you led me to make some kind of move. You told me to, to do this or go here. And it's been hard instead of easy. Lord, you told me not to worry, but I am anyway. Thanksgiving without thanks is like a wedding without wine. But can we be like Mary? As the redeemed people of the Lord, as the remnant that he has seen through, throughout the generations, can we look back And remember God's faithfulness. Not just back to the day we were saved, but back across the millennia. And see the wonderful, beautiful tapestry of mercy and grace that God has woven to bring us to this place, to where we are, so that our thankfulness can be restored and overflow. Can we be like Mary and look back at that and remember that and then know, know that regardless of where we are right now, God will be faithful. He always has been. He always will be. And certainly right now he is. So whatever our problems are, whatever our complaints may be, whatever it is that we lack or that we feel that we need, can we be like Mary and see the past the way that it is with thankful hearts and come to him and just say, Jesus, we need this. Fill in the blank. And then just walk away knowing that he'll be faithful and we've left the burden in his hands. And then just say, whatever he says, do it. And continue to follow faithfully, 
knowing that he will be faithful. See, Thanksgiving isn't just about looking back. It is, and it's about giving thanks that is due. It's about remembrance of all that God has done. But just as in Israel's days, God didn't say build that monument across the Jordan River so that I can have a monument. God doesn't need our monuments. The people of Israel needed that monument so that they could remember. So that they could look back and have the confidence to keep going forward. I don't know where you are. And and perhaps this year has been a year of fantastic blessing for you beyond what you can imagine. And if that's the case, then give thanks for that, but not just for that. Because if you've received material blessings in this year, those pale in comparison to what God has done in the past. The fact that you're a member of one of his churches, the fact that he ransomed and bought our souls with his blood. How in the world do I put some kind of material blessing on the same plane as that? So certainly, let's be thankful. I don't even really know how I'm going to tie this up. I just know that the two are related. Thanksgiving is about looking back, but it's also about looking forward. It gives us the courage to keep moving, to keep going, because we know God's faithfulness. Just like Joseph. We, We talked about Joseph in our service this morning, that Joseph had dreams sent by the Lord. He knew the Lord's faithfulness. The Lord had showed him in dreams that, that your whole family will bow down to you. And, and his heart was such that I don't think he boasted about it. Maybe he did a little bit. But then Joseph was sold into slavery. And it wasn't just you know a rough patch of a few weeks or a couple months or even a couple years. We're talking about a couple of decades. We're talking about what for some of us would be a lifetime of suffering and not understanding. Not understanding this journey that I'm on. That Joseph must have have at times thought, why in the world am I here? It was supposed to be so much different. But he knew that God was faithful so that when he came out on the other end, years and years later, he could look back and say to his brothers, forgive yourself what you meant for evil, God meant for good. So though we may be going through hard times right now, though Thursday may be difficult for some of us, though Thursday may be a wonderful blessing for some of us, Let's keep in mind that God has been faithful for generations and will continue to be faithful for generations moving forward until Jesus comes back. And we can gain strength from that so that the circumstance that we're in right now that we may not understand, one day we will. One day we will see that there is a purpose and that we've just been woven into the tapestry that he's creating. Our culture has lost sight of its sense of gratitude. 
and it's lost sight of its sense of patience. I don't want to try to address patience tonight. But as the Lord's people, let's, let's pray for the Lord to help us. And let's work within ourselves to regain our sense of thanksgiving for all that God has done. So that we can look back past the day we got saved. Past Thanksgiving, the first one. Past the pilgrims and see back millennia. And know with thankful hearts that when God put Adam in the garden, he knew exactly where I would be. And everything till now, he's just been weaving a tapestry, causing everything to work for the good. For those that are called according to his purpose. And be thankful. Thank you, Lord, for all that you do. Thank you, Lord, for all you are going to do. Even when we don't understand it right now.